Sure, other stations promise outstanding content, but when it's time to deliver, they fall flat on their ridiculous faces. Enter LA Talk Radio, a cool, irreverent, and entertaining talk station that delivers totally original content without any commercials. Log on to latalkradio.com and get involved with the best talk radio station on the internet. LA Talk Radio, we say what we want. The morning show that's on your side. But then again, so is appendicitis. You're listening to Sam in the Morning with Charlotte right here on L.A. Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to Friday. Today's the last day of February, right, Charlotte? Yeah, that's February 28th. 28th. And, uh, Crazy, it's March already, well, yes. tomorrow. <laughs> March, it's definitely not a leap year, so we only have 28 days. And uh, a beautiful rainy day in Southern California, which is beautiful. We've needed this so badly that, uh, you know, but it's it's driving everybody crazy on the roads and uh, people are running late and stuck in traffic and everything. So no that's to be expected. To yeah, <laughs> <laughs> except for Charlotte and me, we live like down the street here. <laughs> yeah. We don't have to deal with freeways. <laughs> <laughs> so how are you doing this morning? I'm good. I loved waking up to the sound of rain. It makes right. me feel like I'm at home again. Really, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you probably had rain all the time, right? Almost every day. Almost every day. <laughs> wow, I don't know how you guys can live like that. I mean, I love rain, but I don't think I could handle it every day, you know? It's miserable. Yeah, I know. But this seems like the longest it's it it's ever rained here in L.A., you know, when it goes for about 24 hours. Yeah. Usually it drizzles a little bit, goes away, and that's it, you know. Definitely what we needed. Yeah. So, um, well, this is cool. So yesterday was we were supposed to have a photo shoot, but we canceled because it started getting cloudy and mm-hmm. stuff. And the photographer said that, you know, I mean, they can they can stand like uh, a cloudy day for the pictures and stuff when you, when you do it outdoors. But when it's back and forth, cloudy and sunny, then they can't do it. Yeah, the lighting changes. Right, exactly. So that's what they did. And uh, so, I mean, this is crazy, you know, because we have 364 days of the year. We could have taken pictures and we picked it. Seriously, it's always day. nice in L.A. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the day we we picked to take pictures, it's raining or cloudy or whatever, you know. Of course. So that's crazy, you know. And... Uh, but we'll we'll get them done next week and and uh, it'll be cool, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, Friday my favorite day again, and uh, getting ready for the weekend and everything. Uh, of course, I don't have plans, but uh, <laughs> the, the you know I'll I'll go with the flow. Sometimes they come up, sometimes they don't, you mm-hmm. know. So I just kind of kick back and relax. And uh, yeah, there's no football to watch, so that's you know, true. Yeah. Yeah, football Sundays are gone. Yeah, that's true. Now, where you work, did they have to? Did they used to have like, I mean, uh, football Sunday and stuff? Yeah, is it like a sports it's a bar? Sports bar, yeah, it is. Um, so yeah, people would come and get pitches of beer and right. have pizza and watch the football. <laughs> yeah. Now, are they are there like a bunch of fans of specific uh, specific team there? Yeah, people really? come in and are like screaming and yelling. Really? Yeah. I mean, but is there a, like a specific team that goes to that bar or is it different? Team? Oh, no, it's different. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because some bars are like, you know, this is like the Ravens bar or something. Yeah, usually know? we have about four, four, six TVs. So we have different games on each TV. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's a cool atmosphere. It's yeah. a nice little place. 
Do you do you watch football sometimes? Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. you like it, huh? Yeah, I like football. Yeah, you're into sports, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you used to watch soccer when you were in England? No, no not huh? really. Yeah. Because you were too young maybe, yeah, right? I just don't find soccer interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's more just, of a manly sport. Yeah, I don't know. Football I can get more excited about. Yeah. But, which is strange because it's most often start. But soccer, I mean... You're lucky to get three goals in the whole game. Yeah. If like, you get Ugh. one, you're lucky. Right? <laughs> it's like pulling teeth. Yeah, it is, you know. But but people love it, you know. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing, though. I grew up with it, so I know it's a, it's like a man sport, you yeah. know. And that's why I was surprised to come here and find out that, that women are so into football and everything, you know, which seems like a manly sport also. Yeah. So, you know, who knows. But, uh, but that's pretty much the... You know the reality of it, and uh, and that's it. You know, sports, not sports. I couldn't care less. You know, <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, yeah, just a couple of things before we get to our guest. We have a guest here. I believe he's from out of town, right? Yes. Yeah, he's from out of town. So we'll bring you in in just a second. And uh, he was stuck in traffic, I think, too, like everybody else today. But. Uh, I wanted to bring up a couple of things. Uh, well, obviously, the Oscars are going to be on Sunday, mm -hmm. right? So you guys are probably going to be busy, right? Are you working? Uh, I am. Um, probably not. No? People don't come to watch the Oscars. Really? I would think <laughs> they did. It's sports that yeah. people want to watch. Really? If I can get one TV that has the Oscars on, I'm doing well. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone Whoa. else overrides me because I'm the only one that works in the entertainment industry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So, uh, yeah, so the, the Oscars are coming and uh, I personally don't really care you know, who wins, you know, especially when American Hustle is up for grabs and uh, or up for nomination uh, for to win. They're nominated. And I couldn't even stay in the movie. I mean, I left in the middle, you know. So did you see it? Did you get a, a chance to I see it? I didn't. No, no, but I, I, when it comes to these award shows, it's so so controversial which right. movies are up and TV shows and right. Yeah, I know, I know, but uh, yeah, I mean, so there's a couple movies here that uh, you know, even the movie Her. Have you heard of that one? When he was falling in know. love with the voice of his Siri and uh, on his phone and stuff. Yeah, with Joaquin Phoenix. It just came out a couple months ago, so uh, I guess that's nominated. You know, huh. so yeah, an unusual premise there, but yeah. he probably did a good job acting it. You mm -hmm. know, so, yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> All right, well, uh, we're gonna get to our guest right now, and uh, we have Zach in the studio. Welcome to the show, Zach. Thank Just you. talk closer to the mic. I didn't right. get a chance to give you instructions before yeah, you yeah. got here. <laughs> Just barely. Yeah. So, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. So, what was your adventure this morning? I mean, um, were you stuck on the freeway, or where were you? Yeah, yeah, light, like. Lightning speed of about 10 miles an hour, mostly. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I heard a lot of roads are closed. Uh, I didn't see any, but... Yeah. Talk really closer slow. to the mic. We, we yeah. need to hear okay. you. Mm -hmm. There you go. I didn't see any, but it was really slow. Really? Wow. Yeah. So uh, so you came to visit, visit us from somewhere else, right? I mean, right. I got an email saying you were getting on the plane. Right. So I figured you're coming from somewhere else. Yeah. Where did you uh, come from? Colorado. Then? Oh, really? Yeah. Where in Colorado? Southern Colorado. It's uh, Canyon City. It's a small town in... Southern Colorado. Oh, really? Yeah. Did you uh, grow up there or did oh, you no, move no. there? No, I moved there. So this is a place where you move right. to, right? Yeah, this is a place you retire to. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And how did you find out about it? 
Uh, my wife got a job in Southern Colorado, and uh, we went there to look for houses, and it was just like the climate is unbelievably really? mild. And Cal- right. Colorado is gorgeous. Very That's what I hear, gosh. yeah, yeah. When yeah. you see pictures, it's really nice, you know. Stunning. Yeah. yeah. That was one of my favorite vacations I ever took. I went to Aspen really? and Snowmass. Mm-hmm. Really? You went like on a skiing vacation mm-hmm. or something? Yeah, wow. and I went to another place too, but I, my best friend's family lived there. Oh, so we went to visit, but I don't know what it was called. But it was around that area, just stunning. Wow, it is very sounds beautiful. good. Yeah. yeah, so you found so that's where you went to retire. Maybe I will go there too. What what the heck, you know? It's <laughs> amazing. Yeah, I'm looking for a place to retire. <laughs> <laughs> I still got a few years, but okay, I still got a few things I need to do in the city first. Yeah, you know. So, um, well, welcome to the show. Uh, how do you pronounce your last name, Zach? It's Fortier. Fortier. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's the English pronunciation. Otherwise, it's Fortier. It's Fortier. That's yeah. what I thought. That's why I was asking. Yeah. I wasn't sure. That's French, right? right. French background. Uh, so, you're an author, right? I mean, you, you used to be a police officer before right. that? Yeah. So, uh, and then you wrote, how many? We got two books. How many have you written? I've got uh, four out and one on the way. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. So, we'll get to the books in a minute. Okay. Uh, so, uh, you were a cop in what city? It was in Utah. Oh, in Utah? Right. Is that where you're from originally? That's where I'm from. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, what, what city in Utah? It was Ogden, Utah. Ogden. Right. Okay. Never been. I, I've been to a small place in Utah, but that's it. I don't even remember where. <laughs> we know, we yeah. took like a trip to Zion Park, and that was yeah. about it. Zion's you know? beautiful. Yeah. Do they have a place there called Cedar City or something? Yeah. yeah that's it's as far as I south. got. Yeah, that's close to Vegas, because that's right. where I, I went there from. And... Uh, uh, yeah, so I hear it's a pretty, pretty cool place to live, right? But a lot more conservative. Extremely conservative. Extremely yes. conservative. <laughs> so what happened? You felt uh, you didn't like it there or what? Um, growing up there and then working there, I just didn't want to stay there anymore. Yeah. Huh? yeah. So how did you get into, uh, into uh, law enforcement? Um, I went into the militaries in the early 80s. and I don't know if you, either one of you were around here in the 80s, but the, the job market was really bad. And Really? So you decided military to... military was a way to get a job. Oh, wow. I got out of high school and went right in the military. Really? I went in as a military policeman. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. So what does a military policeman do? Do you serve like around the base? Yeah. Is you, that pretty much it? You basically are uh, your, your client, whatever, is, is the military community. Oh, okay. All right. So you're, uh, I, I see what it is. Okay. So, but, but you are employed by the military. Right. It's they have a, a whole different legal system. You know, we have a civilian yeah. system on the outside. In the military, right. you have uh, a legal system that's based on um, what's the Uniform Code of Military Justice, which is an entirely different group of laws. And Really? Yeah. Did you ever uh, serve in the private sector? To, oh, I mean, in the public sector, like in the, uh, in the police force at all? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you not, did. Not in the military, but not once the I military, got out, right. I became a deputy sheriff and then a, an officer in the police department. Wow. Wow. That's very impressive. How, uh, so uh, the military, so did you go to the military reluctantly or did you want to? Because you said the job market was tight. Yeah, it was, it, it was a last-ditch effort. You know, yeah. it, it's the 1980s and uh, the military was not positively looked at as it is now. Oh, really? You know, or, people were protesting at the gates and 
To really? Be honest, still you, you because of the war and stuff? You couldn't get a date with anybody <laughs> really? in the military. Yeah, you were lo- really looked down on. I mean, man, if they found out you were in the military. It was That's like, terrible, yeah, man. Gotta, I mean, you're serving your country, you know? It's a lot different, yeah. Yeah, I mean. That was post-Vietnam, so it's a different world. So, so people still in the 80s were still uh, meddling with Vietnam stuff? Oh, and, big time. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. There's I didn't a lot, realize a lot of blowback from Vietnam still in the military. Really? Yeah. Oh, in the military, right? Well, and, and yeah, because I'm culture. Yeah, I was in the '80s. I was in my 20s, and I didn't. I wasn't aware of that. You know, you don't remember so, all the nuclear protests. And, well, <laughs> you know, yeah, some the, of them. The whole yeah, Cold War thing was going on. Yeah, the Cold War yeah, and stuff. But it's heated up. But uh, as far as the Vietnam War and stuff, I, there wasn't. I don't remember there was any repercussions from yeah, there. I think I went in. I think it was um, five years after the Vietnam War ended. So right, it was still pretty true. fresh in people's minds. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, people still don't don't like to talk about it, huh? No. <laughs> it wasn't a great experience. Not for anybody. Right. No. So how did you, uh, I mean, so when you enrolled in the Army, um, it was did you? the Air Force. The Air Force? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, so did you, uh, did you have specific goals in mind? I mean, did you know you were going to be uh, in the police, in the military police? Well, I was originally told I was going to be able to become a canine officer, which was a ruse, uh, the, the recruiter lied to me when I got to basic training and went through the, the tech school. I found out that there was no way I was going to be a canine officer. So I spent six <laughs> years doing something I didn't want to do. Really? So I had to make the best out of it. Yeah, wow. Six years is a long wow. time. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. <laughs> but you, you make the best out of it. You got to just push on, you know. Yeah. So now when you enlist, how many years are you committed to? Um, at that time, you could sign up for two, four, six, and I signed up for six. Six years. Yeah. So, I mean, why would you tie yourself down? Was there a benefit to it? Um, you got uh, additional rank, and uh, they paid off my college loans. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah. so that's cool. Where did you go to college? In Utah. In Utah? Right. Oh, I see. Okay. So you went to the military when, before or after, the, after college? It went um, after high school. I went to college. Um, I walked on uh, the local college's cross country team. I was a distance runner in high school. Oh, really? And I walked on, but my grades weren't good enough to get a full ride scholarship, so I had to take out loans to pay for school. And that right. lasted about eight months, and then I went in the military. Really? Yeah. Wow. What did you take at school at the time? Um, just generals. Oh, I see. So I you was, didn't have a major or anything? Well, you know, your first year in, you're taking general. I mean, I wanted to go right. into psychology, but. Yeah. You know, your first so, yeah. year in, it's English and yeah. history. So, and what about thing. after the military? Did you go straight to uh, work f- uh, for the police or did you finish your college? Um, no. Work? No, Never I got finished. out. Um, I became a remodeling contractor and worked my way, paid my way through. Uh, it's called a self-sponsoring program through the police academy in the state and graduated and started applying and got hired. Wow. That's pretty cool. So, uh, so you started your own business. After after you got yeah. out, right? That's what you're saying. Right? Remodeling yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Remodeling uh, veterans administration homes that have been repossessed. Oh, I see. So yeah, so you always had that connection with the military and stuff, right? Once you it's, got in, it's big in that area in Utah. Yeah, yeah, it's a big base there. Really? Yeah. What's it called? Hill Air Force Base. Oh. Never heard of it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it's interesting, all the stuff that's going on, because we hear more about the military abroad and stuff. You know, we mm-hmm. don't really know what's going on here and stuff. So, um, uh, yeah, well, you know, I mean, I, I admire people that go into the service and stuff, because not everybody uh, can do it, 
right? Yeah. But but uh, but you never had to deal. I mean, you you obviously had to deal with basic training and everything. Yeah. Uh, do do you pretty much have to go through all the rigorous training that uh, that combat soldiers do? Well, in the, in the back then in the um, military police, you had to do the uh, the same basic stuff that you would in the army. Um, things have changed a lot, but back then your role was to be a police officer and to also provide uh, security for the base, like wherever you were stationed, whether it was in Europe, you know, right on the front line with the, the whole Cold War thing with the Soviet Union, or yeah. whether it was sitting here in, at home. Yeah. Did, you, did they send you abroad at all? Uh, I spent about three months in Saudi Arabia right after the uh, Marine barracks were bombed in 83. Oh, really? Wow. Wow. What a place to go to, huh? It was pretty cool, really. It was really, really? amazing, yeah. Did you, I mean, did you get to, uh, to experience the place, too? Yeah. Really? At the time, when, I, when I, we got off the plane, they were expecting, uh, you know, this is 83, way before 9-11. They were expecting uh, Piper Cub airplanes loaded with explosives to be coming across <laughs> the Persian Gulf to, to hit the base that we were at in Riyadh. Yeah. And uh, wow. it was pretty tense, but once that, that risk basically never occurred, they loosened up on us, and we get to go down into the city of Riyadh, and it was it was quite amazing. Yeah, was it really? Because I mean, it's it's very interesting to me because these places seem so like mystical, you know. I mean, yeah. they seem so remote from us, you know. So mm-hmm. like many traditions and cultures, like stuck in the in the past and stuff, you know. They were yeah, they were at the time they were very quickly coming out of basically Stone Age type. Uh, culture to they right. were investing a lot of money in in modernizing the city there were just tremendous right. uh construction projects going on and they're flush freeways. with oil money and stuff right they were at the I time mean, yeah more. i you know, haven't been yeah. over there myself lately but yeah it, they, they do they did have a lot of money at the time and yeah they were very much investing in everything infrastructure and yeah no the they still do i mean they control yeah. a lot of the world's oil right and uh and that's why a lot of people are kissing their ass you know i mean still to, <laughs> to this day you know until, yeah. until we start, you know, I tell you what, though, man, if we did, if we didn't have our allies, in especially with the Saudis, we'd be in a whole different world over there. Yeah, huh? Yeah. So it helps when you can put bases in uh, in friendly countries that are close to where the action is. Yeah, I mean, right? I remember getting briefed back in the '80s that they knew this whole mess was coming with the uh, the whole Persian Gulf and the Arab Spring. I mean, they had all these briefings we went to where they were talking about you know the next big war will be in the middle east yeah. there was no doubt in their mind they were totally changing the way the military was structured and the way they were going to attack really just based defend. on that huh yeah they already they yeah. already had pretty much projected that this yeah. is coming we're going to have to deal with it yeah well it's it, it's been like a um you know like a time bomb there for for a long time yeah. you know it's it's been there so, a long time you do your research yeah. in history it's like it really hasn't changed <laughs> yeah it hasn't changed it's a bit amazing. and it probably never will you know i mean there's too just bad. there's too much strife going on there yeah. <laughs> you know i know i know and and look i mean egypt can't find stability and no. you know it's because you have like thousands of years there of like ancient customs and tribes and and yeah. you know and things That's like this and, all you know, trying we, to we get along concept of here because our country's 200 years old and it's, it's right. a melting pot we don't have exactly those pretty, pretty united really really grounded traditions that you can't seem to get yourself out of right now uh what so when you when you were in that culture i mean did, did some things occur to you as like 
wrong or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, for example, to me, it seems wrong that they don't let women leave the house without a man or they don't let them drive. Yeah. Or, you know, they, they have but like no rights, you know? It, it's it like was very interesting objects. to me that that was the way it was on the surface. Uh-huh. And I made friends with uh, quite a few of the guards that I worked with. We worked an Arab guard and an English or American guard. Right. And once you got to know them, you know, they had this whole different thing at home. You know, oh, really? I had guys showing me pictures of their family life. And if you didn't know where it was, you would have thought it was in the States. I mean, oh, really? the wives are wearing T-shirts and blue jeans and shorts. And, oh, wow. But you go outside, there's this whole facade you got to keep up because that's, that's true. what's yeah. going on. Wow. Yeah. It was very interesting. It's like, you know, there's very much this whole public front. And right. then there's this private thing. Wow, that's very interesting. Where they were so, very, you know, very warm and caring people towards right. their spouses. It was, outside, it was weird to wow. see the transformation. That's interesting because I would think, you know, just based on what we see, that they probably treat them like objects or something, you that, know? That was exactly how I saw it. And then, yeah. you know, these guys were, we had a, a huge storm. You know, at the time, it was like worldwide newsworthy because it was really affecting the uh, Iran-Iraq war. Uh-huh. And this huge storm came across the desert. I and mean, it was, we're talking winds that were so strong they were lifting the planes off the ground. Really? Wow. And uh, talking to the guards, you know, we were all talking and they're like just really frantically worried about their families and their wives. And we right. didn't have cell phones at that time. And they're just yeah. like, they couldn't leave the post. And, you know, you have this storm where it's just destroying the city and... It wow. was like one of those biblical storms you read about. <laughs> yeah. Like, seriously, it was like, holy cow, this, is, <laughs> this big wall of sand, like you see in oh, the Indiana wow. Jones films. That's what it was like coming across, and then hailstones like that big. Wow. Like baseball size. Really? Weird. Did you experience that? Shelter, huh? Wow. You know, and they're terrified for their families, and yeah. they got off. They sprinted to get onto the bus to get home to see if they were okay. So I. Wow. The whole. I really think there's a, there's a public side of it. You have the fanatics, just like you have here. You have people here that treat their spouse, whether male or female, like That's property. True. That's true. And their true. kids. That's true. And then you have the other side. That, yeah. You know. Now, let me ask you this. If, if like someone like Charlotte, for example, traveled there, does she have like to totally cover herself too? When I was there, yeah. She yeah. Huh? yeah. So as a tourist, a, you have to be like that. Right. right. You, have, you have to uh, kind of conform to the norms of that society but you got to right. remember that that's the society's front that's yeah. not what goes on exactly there's no way you're going to walk there in a pair of jeans or a dress or something you no. know? <laughs> not, not yeah there. yeah so uh well that's cool so how long were you there in saudi arabia did you say three months right. okay so that's good enough just to experience it and then it come back interesting, and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah now how how did they does the military treat you? I mean, did you feel that you guys were like lacking in something when you were there? Actually, that was probably the best assignment I had. And the rest of the time I was working on a nuclear base, it was incredibly tense. Oh, really? Yeah, it was, wow. That and, was really relaxed, even though I, yeah. I got there, you know, we're supposed to be being attacked. It was like really kicked back compared really? to working around the nukes. That, and that's a nuclear plant here in the United States? It was a nuclear base. It does. It's no longer oh, nuclear. Oh, I see. It oh was really? Loaded with B fifty twos that had air launch cruise missiles and Oh wow. So yeah. we're not talking about nuclear energy here. No, we're uh, talking it was about warfare. Weapons. Yeah, I was I was in the military. <laughs> yeah. I was guarding nuclear weapons. It was, like I said, it was a wow. cold war, man. It was very serious. Wow. Yeah. You know? 
I know, I know. You were pretty young for the Cold War. You didn't, yeah. yeah. You weren't even born. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was a different time. It was a different time, absolutely. Different. Yeah, you were born right after uh, the uh, Soviet Union collapsed, right? You were born, what, 1990 or something? 91. 91, right. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, in 89, everything pretty so much about collapsed. about my son. Yeah. My son's born in 91. Oh, right. right. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, so that was, uh, th- those were tense times, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, Very. we were, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of confrontations with the Russians and mm-hmm. the Soviets at the time. Yeah. And uh, so I can imagine the military was always at get ready at we're, any yeah, point. Always, right? always, seriously, always, like within about, the way we were treated was you're always five minutes away from a nuclear war. Wow. That's how we trained. That's how we thought. That's just how it was. Wow. No, that's tense, huh? It was very tense. Yeah. <laughs> God. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so then, so then you left uh, the military, and you decided you're you're going to stay in law enforcement. But yeah. But uh, now, why is that? Did you feel that that's your destiny, pretty much? That's well, where I got out. And I was really uh, disgruntled with the military, and um, you know, I didn't I didn't get to be a canine guy, and mm. I wanted to do that. I, I went home and. Uh, Married a girl that I had known in high school, and just one day it just kind of clicked. It's like, you know, this contracting stuff is great. It pays the bills, but it, it wasn't really a life that for me was meaningful. It wasn't making a difference. Yeah, and you need that. To, yeah, I needed need something where I felt like, even though I not, might not be making the most money, I needed something that when I left, went home, I knew what I did today made a difference for somebody. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a noble thing, I think, and that's why people go into like uh, into the public sector and everything because you want to be able to make a difference and make an impact on people. And some Ideally, people, yeah, yeah. And some people are just like it's very important to them, like you said, even more than money. You know, just yeah. to be able to uh, to make a difference and stuff. And uh, yeah, so. Uh, so you became like a, a traditional police officer, or and then you Deputy grew up sheriff. in the rank, yeah, and stuff. I, I didn't, I didn't really promote out. I pretty much stayed on the road, but I was a deputy sheriff at first, and then uh, uh, wasn't really a promotion so much as it was a transfer. I went into K nine, and then so you the finally slot. got what you wanted. Yeah, I, with you the know K-9. what? And I found out <laughs> this is hilarious. I did. Uh-huh. I was, you know, totally envious of these people for six years. I get out, I get a dog, and I found out I'm horrible at training dogs. <laughs> really? <laughs> I, had, I didn't have the patience for this dog. He was a lot like me. He was stubborn. Yeah. He was hard-headed. And wow. It's like, man, you, you know, you be careful what you wish for. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I get a dog that's like me, and all we did was butt heads for two years. Wow, with a dog, huh? Yeah. Wow. Oh, man, he was, he was stubborn. Wow. Incredibly stubborn. That's very amazing, smart, huh? very gifted athletically, but... He just hated to be told what to do. Wow. So they have like a personality. Oh, big time. Huh? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Charlotte, have you ever lived with a dog at home? No, and no. I want one so bad right really? now. Really? I'm going to an adoption center on yeah. Sunday. Oh, really? Yeah. So, I mean, but you never lived with one. How do you know you want one? How do you know you'd be good with one? All my friends have them. My roommate in college had one. Uh-huh. I was, oh, a little, uh, a little Shih Tzu or a Golden Doodle. Oh my god! To keep you company and yeah. stuff, huh? Okay. One was so bad. Well, I, I like dogs, but I don't think I could live with one. You know, it's yeah. it's too much demands on and you. Police and dogs, stuff, yeah. a whole different type of dog. Yeah, I would They're imagine very intense dogs, very smart and independent and stuff. Right? They're not uh, so for real. the most part. Yeah. 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 Dogs still need people to survive, obviously, but you know. Yeah. Uh, so you got your canine uh, dream and stuff. How long did you do that for? Two years. Two years. Awesome. Yeah, two years of 
really failure. And really? Finally, <laughs> finally, it was just like, okay, I, I see uh, this was destiny. I wasn't supposed to do this, so let me out of it. Right. Now, so the, so when you're in the canine unit, you get your own dog, and he yeah. lives with you and everything, Yeah, he right? lived with me. Yeah, he made my life hell 24 hours a day Whoa. for two years. Yeah. <laughs> now, you didn't get to choose the dog, right? Was it no, just given to you? No, he was, he was one. Uh, they actually bought him after the, the wall collapsed in East Germany. There's, they had... A, you know, this whole uh, trade thing opened up with them, and they had some of the best dogs in the world at the time. And we, we got him for, I think it was for $5,000. This is ni- 1991. Wow. We got him, the, the department paid $5,000 for him untrained. Wow. That's a lot of money for a dog, and, huh? Yeah, he was, like I said, yeah. really, really gifted and really stubborn. <laughs> wow. Now, but was he effective at what he was supposed to do? He was effective in narcotics. He was, he really, uh, he did not like to do apprehension, which is basically you got a guy running away. Mm, and he committed a violent felony or whatever. You send the dog. He, he was very physically gifted. He loved to run. Right. But... He, he wasn't, wasn't good at attacking or anything? He was, as long as the guy was aggressive towards him. As soon as the guy wasn't, he's like, oh, <laughs> i got other things I can do. If you don't want to fight, then I'll, I'll go over here. You know, it's just, It was so frustrating. It's like, you know, and then I'd yell at him, and he'd like, eh, you're just the handler. I'm the one that does all the work. <laughs> it was frustrating. That's I funny, mean, man. You know, I'm doing everything I can to get this dog, and he just constantly embarrassed me. Wow. And this was a German Shepherd? Yeah, full-blooded, yeah. Wow. completely wow. black. Just sleek and athletic and stubborn. Yeah, like, <laughs> Man, he was stubborn. Wow, that's funny, you know. I mean, you don't expect that in dogs, you know. Yeah. I, I put him, I, this is a great example. We, I got called to do a building search. Somebody had broken into a, an office. And you, you come to the door, you put your dog down into a down position. He lays down and you do this call out to announce who's ever in the building. You're coming in. They can come out now, surrender. You're going to send in the dog. Right. So I do the call out, and um, I get nothing back. So I send the dog. I give him the command, which was in German. Uh huh. I send him, and he walked in about five steps, and he turned around and looked at me. He's like, yeah, I don't want to do this today. <laughs> I'm like, go. He doesn't want to do it. He turns around, and he starts growling at me. Oh, God. And he attacked me. Really? Yeah. He was ranked, what? which is basically saying, he's saying, I don't think you've got the juice to make me do this. Right. So I had to do what's called an alpha roll. You roll him over on his back, and you make him submit. You know, you, yeah, you, you show him who's his, boss. You yeah. expose all of his organs and everything, and, and you show him you're stronger, and you look into his eyes. Uh-huh. And finally, he looks away, and he says, okay, you're still the boss, right? With his body language. <laughs> you, you really have to read their body language. But he yeah. shows me, you know, okay, I'm submitting. I let him up, tell him, put him back down in the, in the down position. He's not uh-huh. happy, but, you know, he submitted to me. I'm still the alpha, you know. Right. <laughs> this is how stubborn he was, and it was every day. Wow. It's so, hard to work like that. Yeah. Huh? Imagine if you had, like, like a, a human I, partner like that. He, well, yeah, here I am. Right here. I'm your human partner. Did he partner. then go in? Did he get he then went in. Yeah, then he went in his search, but it was just, he was reluctant. He's just looking at me with this attitude and his ears and everything. You, you read their whole body, and he's just like, yeah, right. your time's coming. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He was so, hilarious, but to work with him, it was just, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. He loved to do dope. If any, Whenever I put him into anything that dealt with narcotics, he was the happiest dog you'd ever find. Yeah. So that's not all you did? What what, what else would a dog do? Uh, uh, search for evidence, um, 
like seriously, you can put them out in the field. You can have them search for people they're hiding. You can tell them they'll they'll That's go true. In downwind and scan back and forth, and they pick up on the person's scent. Right, or if you search for a body or something like that, right? And he wasn't. No? He wasn't there. That's a different type of training, but. You're searching mostly for um, suspects and evidence. You okay. can teach them to search literally for, like, if you threw a knife or a gun into a field. Uh-huh. You can tell them to go search, and you direct them, and they search until they find it. Wow. They're very talented. They're incredibly talented. Right. And now there's other people that train them then? Right. Because you said you couldn't really train them or anything. Yeah, it didn't work. No, no, no. We, we trained them up. We just They came untrained. Oh, okay. And that's we right. Had to go through the school right. and learn it. Right, and so it was up to you to train your own dog. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow! That's why so. he, he took me so personally. You know, I had made him do all this stuff. He loved everybody else, and he yeah. just looked at me and just like, oh, yeah, because you were the boss. He didn't yeah, like the boss. You're an alpha dog, and I, I don't need an alpha dog. I should be the alpha dog. <laughs> like okay, so he loved everybody else. You know, they just thought he was great. <laughs> Great. To me, I was the guy that brought him food and made him work. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So uh, so I, I imagine you were in some uh, like dangerous assignments and things like that. I mean, yeah. you worked with violent crime and yeah. drugs and things yeah. like that. Uh, what I mean, that, that takes like a lot of courage to do that, right? I mean, obviously, on the one hand, you're saying, yes, I'm serving my community and everything. But it's another thing to put your life on the line. It is. Right. Yeah. So you really have to be dedicated. Yeah, I think, I don't know, I think a lot of cops have already, at least the way it was described to me is um, the good cops have this thing where you have to have been there to know how to get there. In other words, saying you were probably uh, a troubled child that went straight. Mm. So you kind of have a feel for that anyway. Right. You know what I mean? And for right. me, I was back home. I was working in the city that I grew up in. So I already knew a lot of people. That's true. Knew who was who and what they were capable of. Right. Not everybody, of course, you know. But right, of course. Of but so you felt uh, sort of like a uh, uh, the need or the desire to protect these people that you knew. Particularly the, the yeah. city I grew up in, I wanted to make a difference. Right. You know, my kids were there and it was very important to me to. they did not grow up like I grew up. Right. Right. So how did you grow up? I mean, did you have like a... It was rough. Was it a rough childhood? Yeah, yeah we totally forgot to cover that. Yeah, that, that's uh, in one of the books, but it was rough. You know? Oh, really? Yeah, my, you know, it was just my parents were... They did the best they could do, but they really didn't have the best coping skills and yeah. really had no parenting skills. And Yeah, so, I know. So, you know, you, you got beat a lot. Really? You grew up in a poor uh, area. Wow, so. wow. But again, beat is, is the worst part of it, probably, huh? Yeah, I mean, was, I think more, more than the physical pain, it's the... Uh, degradation, isn't it? I mean, you feel like... I, I don't know there was ever... It never really occurred to me it was degrading. It was just the way it was. You, you yeah. had no other frame of reference. Right. You know? Yeah, but then your outlook on life changes, though, right? I mean, it's a pretty different that, outlook. Like, you know, I don't know that you can say it changes because you only have the outlook that you're right. accustomed to. Exactly. You, know, you don't really have a frame of reference for anything different. I mean, it, That's true. I went in the military. It never occurred to me that this was not how everybody grew up. <laughs> wow. And then I found out it wasn't. You know, there were yeah. some people had a lot worse and some people had a lot better. And your, right. Your childhood of, is in one of the books? Yeah. Which book part, is it in? Part of it. Um, I thought I sent four. Uh, they only sent us two. Okay. Yeah. It's in street creds. There's, okay. there's parts in everything. Okay. A little bit. So, but but the books you uh, you've written and uh, well, let's get to the books in just a minute. I okay. just want to sort of naturally get to it. So, uh, okay. So after Ogden, what did you decide to do? After Ogden, um, let me see. I mean, so I the, was in Ogden like 
16 years. 16 years. So but it's a long time. Right. So but so you did the canine thing. Yeah, and that then, was the sheriff's department. And then I just, you know, I was working in a rural area. And uh, uh-huh. it just I wasn't fitting in. I was, like, doing crimes on, you know, somebody would come in and steal someone's cow. I didn't know anything about cows. <laughs> well. You know, or steal saddles from someone who rode horses. And I had nothing. Yeah, nothing. I had no idea about farm animals or animal husbandry or yeah. anything. Right. Like, this isn't a good fit for me. I need to go to the city. Right. So I went to the city, and it was, uh-huh. it, I fit. Yeah. Cool. You know? And uh, so then after that, um, what happened then? Did you, uh, I went, that, did you leave the force? I went to the point? city and worked uh, in SWAT, in canine, in schools, in gangs. I had, like, a lot of assignments. It was very interesting, very... Um, Were you undercover if you worked in gang? Um, we didn't really have undercover. I mean, there was really no way to go undercover. You were in plain clothes. Right. And you worked closely with the gang members. It's a very different style of work than goes on here in, in California. Mm. You'd be plain clothes, but you would also be uh, you really kind of looking at ways to try to dismantle the gang and wean off people that are maybe just fringe members. Mm. And use them against the leaders and try and remove the, the leaders or the, the people in the gang that are, that are truly violent. Not everybody in the gang is. Right. A lot of them are just there to survive. I see. Okay. And and sort of like be with their friends. Or, right. There, and yeah. then there's a hardcore group that's there for the gang. You know, mm. they're there to promote the gang and to promote the violence and whatever. But wow. for most of the time, we were always trying to work with them to better, you know, uh, the kids that didn't want to really be there but had no choice right and to target the shooters the killers right and to to create as much dissension within the group as possible trying to accomplish all this at the same time that's true so uh, there's a lot of psychology going Very on much, there too yeah. which goes back to you know yeah. when i was going to college i wanted to study psychology so yeah it was very intuitive yeah and i imagine you learned a lot of a lot about people just from yeah. working uh with them and, and uh, things pretty like much that. Yeah, yeah i think you know i Police work's really changed since the, the invent or advent, whatever, of, mm. of computers. It's really gotten less people-oriented. Yeah. And it, it used to be very much you had to have excellent people skills and psychology, uh, understanding of psychology. Now it's pretty much you need a database. Right. You know, you need to be able to access four or five different databases to do a search on somebody, whereas before you would go to a friend who had a friend who had a friend and you right. could find them yeah it's different <laughs> different huh? it, i really think it i think i think police work suffers from it there's, oh really there's way less personal contact there's way less dependent dependence to be upon the 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 people you work for yeah yeah everybody becomes your enemy instead of just your enemy being your enemy right wow well, you, you're full of stories and, and a lot of stuff that we still want to uh, hear about. But in the last 10 minutes, let's talk a little bit about the books. How did the books come about? When did you decide, hey, I want to write something. I have a writer in me. Um, I, I, I didn't. Uh, I had a, a guy get a hold of me from uh, the city I worked in. And they were doing follow-up on uh, guys that had been in shootings and the effect that PTSD had on their lives. Right. And he was a reporter and he said, you know, how do you, would you feel about talking to be on the record about this because i was always very off the record i wouldn't yeah you know i didn't really trust reporters <laughs> so you know i agreed and we got talking he said you should write a book and that that became the first book curb check 
Right, that's curb check. That's and right that, here. That one's reload. Right. That's the third, actually. Oh, I see. So that's like a sequel. Right. Okay. So curb check was basically me coming into the police department and uh, coming in really, you know, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, trying to make a difference, thinking I'm, you know, Mr. Barney Fife out there going to make everybody happy and really having my ass handed to me and right. getting in a lot of stuff and nearly being killed several times and really right. having to wake up that, you know, the world's not all rainbows and unicorns. Right. So uh, so now, so did you sit down and write this or did you sit with him and he wrote it and you I told the story? I sat down and write it. We started working on it together and then he wanted to go a different route. He wanted to go fictional and... It just was, you know, this is not fiction for me. This you didn't want to do life. fiction, huh? No. So your books are not fictional. They're, no, they're all nonfiction. Oh, amazing. They're all true. So, so it's, it's things that you went through specifically, Everything. right? Right. Wow. To yeah. fill four books, that's a lot, man. Actually five. Five <laughs> books. That's right. Another one's coming out. Yeah. Uh, so uh, now, so let's talk a little bit about the books. Do you have like a, uh, so this is like in first person. I mean, you describe what happened to you. and yeah. And much. the different adventures yeah, and the only thing like that. is is different is the names of the people involved with a few exceptions in uh-huh. hero there's uh, the very first chapter is a guy I was in the uh, air force with that ended up on uh, the FBI's 10 most wanted really and his name I leave as his name right it's a great example of, of a, he was an exceptional cop when I knew him really and he went exceptionally bad he ended up killing three or four people and wow killing himself killing his girlfriend he just he he had a bad day <laughs> wow really bad day wow does do you think that seeing all this everything that's happened kind of gives you kind of switches you off to emotions because i know my my da- my dad is um a policeman in england and he mm-hmm. has his emotions he just doesn't really have any anymore <laughs> yeah i think it's maybe very... just with you i know you you get really guarded because people the people you run into are incredibly manipulative and they sense your weaknesses by your emotion so when i was working and even now if i'm in a situation that i feel like anything that i exhibit emotionally is going to be used against me you know the wall comes up yeah, and I would say that's probably exactly where he's at. It's, I've seen it over and over. Working is different. You get the same person to drop that, and they're very emotional. That's the only way they can cope with wow. everything they see. The stuff you see yeah. is so incredibly horrible. It's like if right. you're not throwing up some kind of wall or something, it just destroys. You. It'll destroy you. That's yeah. what I think too. And the same in the military too, right? right? Yeah. I mean, and that's my theory, like about the military, and maybe to some extent, extent with cops too, is they sort of like deconstruct you and rebuild you as a machine, you know, as a fighting machine and stuff. That's the way it is in the military, I think, at least in combat. Because And then people come back and they don't know how to deal with life. They have this yeah. post-traumatic, it, you it know. It gives you, yeah, and I don't know they actually deconstruct you, but they definitely break you down. Yeah. I don't know that it's possible to deconstruct. Yeah. But it does also, you know, it gives you so such break a, you down. a yeah. different That's... frame of reference that you right. have no coping skills for. You don't you don't get a chance to develop those coping skills before you go to combat. You right. get a chance to develop combat skills. Right. But no coping skills for what's going to happen. Right. It's very so, much the same with police work. So then you have to deal with it afterwards, right. and sometimes it's too right. late. And actually, the books, for me, have been a great help. They really helped. I was very messed up. You know, like really? your dad, I was really turned off and angry and angry at everybody. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, when you see all that stuff, you mm-hmm. know, and you wonder how people can treat other people like that and so forth, you right. know. Uh 
Yeah, you become pretty cynical, I think, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's yeah, yeah. An understatement. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah. So, uh, but but you did manage to have a family. You're married. You have right. kids, right? Well, I've been married four times. <laughs> four times. Four times. I've okay. Got, well, I've that's got, to be expected when you have a yeah, shitty I've childhood. Got, yeah, right? I've got children with uh, my second wife. That's the only one I have any children with. And I see all of them are really healthy and. All of them college graduates. Wonderful, they're doing really wonderful. Good. And do they live like in different places and stuff? No, or? they all live in Utah. Oh, all in Utah. Mm-hmm. Oh, great. So uh, now, so everybody, go out and get the books. Uh, now, uh, well, we only have two. Do you want to like give us all the names? Do you yeah, remember the names it's of all the books? Check is the first one. Street Cred's the second. Curb Check Reload is the third. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Hero to Zero is is about all the cops I ran into that really were exceptional, but ended up. Either in jail or dead or fired. Wow. It's a lot. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot. It's very, yeah. to me, it was really, it was something I noticed early on and it, it just never stopped. And then um, the new one is Landed on Black and it's basically about how you can never trust anybody. Wow. All the betrayals. Yeah. And, wow. So you have to be, I mean, this is some heavy reading, right? I mean, this is not like it, light yeah, reading and it's, stuff. It's not, you know, like I said, it's not rainbows and unicorns but it's also it's right. written in a way that it's like if you're on a ride along you're in the car with the cop right and each chapter is basically a case okay so if you so, read a case you can put it down come back to the new chapter it's a totally different it's an easy read everybody that reads them says they really like them because yeah. it's easy read it doesn't or like they really read. hate them yeah. because they can't stand my personality <laughs> and, and the fact that I was such an arrogant ass you know, just, that's the way it was it's the way you had to be to survive yeah Wow, that is—is is there sort of like, a, um, like uh, I mean, they, so I guess cops and stuff like associate with each other and stuff, right? Do they hang it's out a lot together? Do, yeah, in the a personal life, right? I was not. No, no. So you sort of like stayed. I was pretty much kept to yourself. Yeah, yeah. Off by myself, doing my own thing. Yeah. Wow. So this is pretty cool. I mean, did you? Did you ever have like a desire to write before? Did you recognize I, you had talent? I had. I just really ridiculous, man. But like in elementary school, I got pulled out because I was writing stories, and the teacher really loved them. They're like, yeah, "We're <laughs> going to take you out of the curriculum and just have you write," which was the last thing I wanted. Wow. I didn't want the attention, but that's right. the only time I've ever been recognized for writing. Wow! But you had it in you, obviously. And uh, now, so when they this guy brought it up and stuff, did, did this like click in your head? Did you say like, "Oh, it was very oh, difficult because I was really damaged from you know uh, cognitively damaged from the work." Right. I could. It was really the first book is really fragmented and harder harder to follow right and once it started to flow then the writing became a lot easier and my memory became a lot clearer and yeah it was really helpful and cathartic right now when and that's one thing that i always wonder about people writing like biographies or things that happen to them how do you remember like everything i mean it's kind of hard right i don't know i i i guess my memory's not like everybody else because it that's honestly been the majority of my problem is i do remember everything wow you know like ridiculous Uh details uh conversations and it was really a benefit when i was at work as far as being a detective or a cop i can make a comment i'm going to remember it right i didn't have to take a lot of notes right but to try to forget the bad things it's almost impossible yeah you just i mean it's like happened yesterday wow Wow. Yeah. Uh, Zach Forty, uh, for, how do you pronounce the name again? Fortier. Fortier. 
Well, you said it wasn't four tier. Four yeah, tier. Going both directions. So four I like, tier. I'm both out there okay, for, for people to remember, Zach Four Tier, uh, author of Hero to Zero, and then there's uh, four other books. The new one coming out, and uh, uh, sounds great. I mean, I, I definitely want to read into this because I'm always fascinated by uh, by the li- the life of cops. You know, yeah. of like what's going on. You know, what it is that you deal with, the emotions, and I imagine many of them do end up being like screwed up and stuff. You know, I, from I think all the it's stuff you see, almost impossible not to be right. Did you ha- did you go through any like therapy or anything to deal with some of that? Um, I, I I knew when I knew something was wrong as far as the PTSD, I went to get counseling you know and the guy said basically you're just you're so hyper vigilant your body is breaking down i was having seizures i was having all kinds of stuff going on and so you know you can go through therapy for ptsd but it it really is it's a lifelong once you've got it 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 rewires your brain right i don't know if you know much about ptsd but your brain literally rewires for survival really so you can't change it back yeah you can just kind of slow it down and calm yourself down and recognize your triggers right so for me you know i live in a very remote area it's very quiet right and that's what you work out a lot like i work out insanely which really really helps me burn off a lot of really cool really cool which also is healthy but (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I mean, you know, it's like you want to try and work out as much as you can, you know. Yeah. And, uh, well, that's amazing. Zach, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate you guys having me in. Uh, of course. Are you going to spend some time in L.A. over the I'm weekend? Hoping, yeah, I'm hoping, yeah. I've got a really hopeful thing coming up with a, a guy here that I'm, I came here to interview him. Oh, wonderful. He's, uh, he's a lifelong uh, resident of L.A. and deeply involved with the gangs and... Hopefully that if that pans wow. out, it's going to be a real interesting book. Oh, so you come in here for a book to yeah. research the book yeah. and stuff. Wow, amazing! Yeah. So you're definitely an author now. You've done a lot of things in in your life, which is amazing, you know. And uh, thank you for giving us yeah. sharing I all this with it. us. Thank you know, it's been a great experience for sure. So have fun in LA. Have a safe trip back. Yeah. Uh, all the best to your kids, your wife, and <laughs> all four of them. Yep, yep. Okay. <laughs> all right. Hey, can I give a shout out to yes. uh, my my publicist Sally and my wife Christina? Sounds good. Oh. Any other shout outs? I mean, um, uh, to the dog. No, Where's the dog no, now? The dog, the dog. Actually, that's a sad story. They they tried to push him to be uh, more. Uh, apprehension oriented uh-huh. which you know apprehending the violent criminals and he just he, his heart wasn't in it he wanted to be a dope dog oh wow and he ended up basically kind of going crazy really and they had to put him down oh wow Wow. It was a sad story, but that's a sad story. But uh, but it, there's a lot to learn from it, you know. Yeah, you I think you from your relationship with the dog. Not. Yeah, exactly. There you go. That summarizes the whole show. Pretty much. Okay, Zach. Thank you, Charlotte. Thank you. Thank you. Have thank a great you. weekend. You too. Thanks everybody for listening, and we'll see you on Monday. You're listening to Sam in the Morning with Charlotte, right here on LA Talk Radio.